This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Absolutely. Let's talk some serious issues right now. So, um on the economic front, it's it's encouraging and I think it brings us a lot of relief to hear that indications coming out of those who'd be sitting in the Monetary Policy Committee of the Reserve Bank, uh, economists believing that they're likely to keep interest rates, the repo rate, unchanged. Um, yesterday, we also got other good economic data, which is that I think it's Fitch, the ratings agency, would keep South Africa's credit rating unchanged uh, at triple B. Um, and all of that, I guess, just suggests that at least going into the budget month next uh, month um, are things that would just back up and help the finance minister at least reflect on the last quarter's uh, economic growth figures not negatively impacted too much by inflation, high costs rising and having to make the RAND stretch further. So this is the interface between monetary policy um and also fiscal policy where, you know, the 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 finance minister has been considering how to get more money into the fiscus. He did say yesterday it's been suggested to raise taxes, but it's unlikely that he will do it because the consumer is strained. And so seeing that monetary policy at least is trying to keep prices at bay is encouraging news. What is not encouraging news, though, is that 70 petrol stations across the country are selling dodgy diesel, as if we don't have enough problems in the country. And this is said to be a clear sign of profiteering, cutting corners, because petrol prices have continued to rise because of the international price of oil. And so one of the things that have kept inflation quite high in South Africa. I think the last inflation number I saw was 5.9%, close to that target uh, threshold, is really the petrol and, uh, and, and diesel price. And so retailers who then have to import this diesel are then, we're told, watering it down so that it is not full grade, but still selling it. And so many people, certainly those who've poured uh, diesel across these 70 uh, petrol stations may have actually uh, bought watered down diesel contaminated and mixed with illuminated paraffin. So this is even a crime. And let's find out what's being done about it. We're joined by Reggie Sibia, Chief Executive Officer at the Fuel Retailers Association. Good morning. Good morning, Lerato, and good morning to the listeners. And we also have Robert Marge, who's the Director for Fuel Pricing in the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy. Robert Marge, good morning. Good morning, Lerato, and good morning to Mr. Zvi and the studio. Thank you so much. Ndati Marge, let's start with you. What is this all about, uh, and how did you find this network of 70 petrol stations that may have watered down diesel? Lerato, uh, this is the program that the department has been running since 2006-2007 on fuel quality monitoring. Yeah. So on annual basis, we'll go to a selected service station where we collect samples uh, through service provider and take them to a laboratory uh, for analysis. Yeah. Uh, because it's the responsibility of the department to ensure that the fuel that is sold at the service station is of the appropriate quality. 
but we also check on regulated prices like petrol that they're selling at the right price. We also check that if they are saying uh, on their pump that it's ULP95 uh, that they are putting in your car, indeed it's ULP95 that comes from the tank. Sometimes you find that it's ULP93 and so on. Those are some of the things that we find during our, uh, mm. our, our work. Okay, and so you say these are random tests. Am I understanding you? You use the word selected, so I wasn't sure. But this is random testing, or you actually know where the problem lies? Yes, it's random test. We we select service station. We do we do field sampling and testing on okay. annual basis. So it's in our program. Okay. We just try to make sure that we don't go to the same Places. service station all the time because we have more than 4,000 service stations yeah. in the country. Okay. And what are the consequences, Robert Marke, for those for that network of 70 petrol stations who've been found to be selling dodgy diesel? All of them were issued with the non-compliance notices, and some of them uh, have corrected their behavior. They provided remedial action. Uh, some of them decided to, to challenge the department. For example, they can ask for a, a, re, a retest of their sample. They can use a different laboratory for to test the same sample that we collected. Because when we go mm. to the service station to collect the sample, we also leave uh, uh, one liter of the same product in a sealed container. Yes. So that in case there's a dispute later on, it can then be taken and then they can challenge the department. Right. So some of them choose to challenge the department uh, and take the sample to a different laboratory, come with a different result. Uh, and we have noticed that it's mainly because some laboratories are not uh, necessarily testing for all the elements that we are looking for mm. in the fuel in terms of the South African national standards. Uh, in terms of the specification. So those are some of the things that we are, we, we, we are grappling with now. Okay, let's bring into the conversation Reggie Sibia. We've now understood what the uh, regulator is trying to achieve here and they're trying to uh, make sure that all petrol and diesel that is sold on the retail side um, is high quality and accountable and not watered down. What say ye? Um, on the fuel retailer side. Uh, thanks, Lerato. Um <clears throat> Firstly, let me just um, bring context to this thing. Um, both the department and us as mm. the association have been very vocal about this issue of illegal trading. FRA, even if you go to our website, the history tells the story for the past 10 years. So we totally against any kind of illegal trading. Now, coming to this issue, both us and the department, we know that the, 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 the mixing sorry, of the product, the diesel and paraffin, does not happen at the service station. Mm. It happens outside the service station. There is no way, as we speak with you now, and as things stand right now, that as a retailer, I can actually detect the quality and the standard of the product that is being delivered on my site. Firstly, the product comes sealed in containers. From the truck, it goes straight to the underground tanks. So there is no way that a retailer will ever know that the product is substandard. Number two, this issue of mixing of diesel and paraffin is well known that it's done by illegal wholesalers. Some of them don't even have licenses. 
some of them have the licenses. And so what he's saying is the FRA, we need to deal with the, with the, root, with the, root, with the root cause. We need to go to the source. Now, let's take the 70 stations, which I have not seen the list myself. Mm. But if you take the 70 stations that the RE has, um, they have the date of sampling. They need to go back to those service stations, ask for the invoices and delivery notes that correspond with that date of sampling. And those documents will then lead them to the supplier, yeah. who is the wholesaler, who is also under the licensing regime of the department. And then the department needs to deal with the supplier. It, we, while we actually all collaborate on eliminating this, we're not going to resolve it if we are, if we are targeting the wrong uh, source. Okay. The right source here is the wholesalers, and there's less wholesalers than retailers in, and, in the industry. And so you've said a few things about the wholesalers, right? Because they receive the product then they seal it and then they transport or distribute it. And so the contamination perhaps happens uh, there. But you've also said some wholesalers who are trading have licenses, others don't. So it's sounding to me like a self-regulation. Why are they not tightly regulated, the wholesalers, Reggie? Good question, Lerato. Because we have the legislation crafted by the DMRE. We've got the regulations and the regulations are very clear that if we are actually not complying to the requirements of the licenses that were given, you either get in jail or you get a fine of up to a million rand. And that has never happened. And that's why we are saying, even these 70 stations that have been highlighted, let's use them as a start. And let's go to the real offenders who are the suppliers and wholesalers. Okay. And let's name and shame them, number one. Because this thing is on the rise, Velatro. Okay. It's out of control. Okay, so These I... wholesalers are just mushrooming, and because nobody's actually making them, them accountable, yeah. including delivering wrong products. Okay, so just help me, because I'm not a fuel retailer. I, I don't even know how it happens. I just go to the petrol station, pour my petrol, and keep moving, uh-huh. as they say. So perhaps you can help us, Regis Sibia, just to understand what happens. So when the product lands on South African shores uh, and then goes to the refinery, what then happens next? Who takes it? Where do the wholesalers, where would we find the wholesalers? And then at what point does it go to the retailer? And you said an interesting thing, which is if you go to the petrol station and you say, um, petrol station X, we are doing the samples today and we have found that your samples are contaminated. Give us the receipts of who your wholesaler was who delivered this product to you on Saturday. And then they will be able to say it is Mbele wholesalers. So that chain of tracking will then lead you to the wholesaler. So just mm. just talk us through who the various stakeholders are, who the various players are, when the product gets to the petrol station, and why you think that the petrol stations shouldn't be held accountable. So from the refinery, right, mm. uh, which is the primary storage, it will then go to what we call the secondary storage, which is your depot. So there's depots all over the country. Uh, depots are, are owned by the all majors, uh, and some of them are owned by, you know, um, non, uh, non-majors, I mean, independent people, okay. uh, as time goes along. 
So when we first look at the branded uh, sites, like your shelves, your PPs, etc. The majors. That, that's what you mean majors. by the majors. Okay. That, yes, that system is tightly controlled because from their depots, uh, those measures will make sure that the, the, the product is, 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 is to the standard. Uh, and when it leaves the depot with the contractor, it goes straight to their branded site. Mm-hmm. So we are very comfortable with that process. Now, in the process is that um, because there's another then line uh, activity between uh, the depots and the retailing, which is the wholesaling. Mm. So um, this wholesaling has now been extended. It's no longer only sitting with the oil majors. So anybody can go to the Department of Minerals and Energy and apply for a wholesale license. And I think as we speak, the last two years we had statistics. The department has had issued over 700 of these wholesale licenses. Now, those people then can go to either a social or a BP and subcontract to get the product, but to supply their own network, which, is, which we call the independent retailers, right? Mm-hmm. So that is where the problem starts. Because when it, it leaves that oil major depot to somebody else's storage, to Reggie's uh, storage, yeah. Reggie is going to now go and supply uh, some of the service stations. Now Reggie, in his depot, nobody's monitoring what Reggie is doing. Even That's though he's got starts. some kind of a license. Exactly. But he's operating and nobody's there. And then he makes the product and then the product lands up in a service okay. station. All right. Yeah. You've painted uh, a picture for us, Robert Marker. Let's bring you into the conversation. And uh, thank you for that picture. It, it was just for the rest of us who really don't understand how the supply chain works. But um, Ndate, Robert Marker, perhaps you can answer the question of wholesalers being the middlemen who may, at their depots, start contaminating and tampering with the product. Yeah, no, I will respond to that question, but I also want to clarify some of the issues raised by Mr. Beer. I fully agree with him that contamination does not happen at the service station. So that's correct. However, as an operator of a service station, when you order a product and it's delivered on your site, mm. you must have some form of confirmation that the product that is delivered on your site is the product that you ordered. Whether the delivery of the, the person who's delivering the product must give you a certificate to confirm that the product is delivering to you is of the required specification. Otherwise, you can't say you have no way of finding out, therefore you just sell whatever is delivered to your product. I mean, you pay for the product. You need to make sure that what you're receiving is what you order. That's number one, in my view. That's a loophole that must be closed. However, Lerato, the biggest problem we are having here is cheap diesel. These service stations that are buying diesel from these wholesalers that Regis here is talking about, independent wholesalers, mm. they, are easy, they are buying it easily because it's cheaper, right? Because it's mixed with diesel. And that's the main motivation why they're bringing it on their side, because the price of diesel at the service station is not regulated. So that is our biggest elephant in the room. Uh-huh. So most of these guys who are bringing this diesel to the service station, I can show, assure you that they know that the quality is suspect because of the price. But they are doing it hoping that we will not catch them. 
and they, they can make a big bug out okay. of it. So, so now, you're speaking to the liability of the service station, that the minute you're not really pray, play, uh, paying a, a market price for diesel, or yeah. you're, play, you're paying a cheaper price for diesel, that's the first sign that yeah. it might not be pure diesel. And so to that end, uh, there should be no surprises when the test is done and you're found to have contaminated diesel somewhere along the line. You should have known that. And if you don't have a certificate of authentication or authenticity, you are also liable, is what you're saying. There is some responsibility for the retailer. Exactly. And the same responsibility goes to motorists. Because if you get diesel that is too good, the price of that diesel is too good to be true, you must know that diesel is probably contaminated and is going to damage your vehicle in the long run. Okay. Uh, we had an inc- incident where one of one taxi owner came to the department. Four of his taxis uh, were not operational. The engine had uh, stopped operating because he was buying cheap diesel from somebody else. And it became an issue for us to then go back to the person, try to test the fuel. By that time, it was too late. The guy was already had new fuel in the tank and it, it complied with the specification because this matter was reported to the police the police said go to the department during that process he was able to get the right diesel in the tank when you go to test we find the diesel is up to up to spec and so yeah. on now the poor guy had to fix his car engine because of this poor diesel that was used in the vehicle okay all right uh, Lerato, yes if sir. i may just respond you know uh, i don't want to make this a debate but Let's use the, the, the example of the motorist that uh, Mr. Marquez just uh, used. Surely, surely, if a motorist comes to the pump and says, I need diesel, and then the petrol attendant put, pulls up the, the horse pipe and puts it into the motorist um, car, the motorist uh, has got no way of testing that, that diesel is substandard because they are actually uh, tools and, and instruments that you need to invest in to actually know how to test the product. So that is not possible. So we need to go back to the source. But what where, he's saying is if the prices, if your price at the end is very affordable and you think you got a good deal, that's the good deal. You got a fraudulent product. And that's know, the first sign. Uh, but that can't be because diesel is deregulated. So, and we know, for example, let's talk about a, 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 a wholesaler, yeah, mm-hmm. a independent wholesaler who's not doing this activity. Yeah. An independent wholesaler, because of their low overhead, they can be able to discount uh, the diesel to the retailer uh, at a much better price than even an all major, because the all major has got very high overheads, etc., etc. Mm. So there's a lot of play at play with no. regards to what no. forces people to buy and choose products. Okay. But no. I think we're running away from the actual issue here. The actual issue here is the offenders that are actually doing this activity, they've not been brought to book. Nobody has been to jail. Nobody has ever been fined, even a million rent. And that's why this thing is on the increase. So if we can all just say, let's work together. Let's go to the source. Let's go to these depots. Why is DMRE not uh, doing the sampling in the depots? Uh, and that's market? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, with an issue like this one, we should not necessarily be, be defensive. I understand Mr. Sibia is a uh, representative retailer. 
will come and try and, and, and defend their, 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 their position. But as a retailer that is selling to the end user, I also have a, a responsibility to ensure that the product that I'm selling to the motorist is of the required uh, a, a specification. That's the point I was trying to make. We all have responsibilities and roles to play. Okay. Right. Our, uh, when we started this program of field monitoring, our main target was at the service station because that's where they interact with the end consumers because we wanted to then protect the consumer from getting this, uh, this fuel that is adulterated and so on. But with the, this, uh, the, the uh, new uh, independent wholesalers coming on board and so on, we see the need now to go to some of these uh, depots as well to include them in, in our sampling, uh, uh, sampling and testing program. What we are doing now, we only go there if there's a, for example, there's a complaint. Somebody come and lodge a complaint to the department and say, I bought this fuel from this guy, and this is where it's operating, and so on. We feel it's contaminated, and so on. Then the department will then quickly go there and include in the, in the program and then do sampling. But yeah, it's making a good point. This is something that we are considering along the value chain to also be able to go to the depots, particularly this independent one. Uh, where we, they are supplying the service mm. station to do a fuel sampling and testing. All so right. we must all then bring us together and clean up the, 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 the process. Okay, so, you know, the challenges with standing, the second question is, this is all criminal, you know, and when you started in Date Market, you said... Where we found that there's contamination, we've asked the retailer to take remedial action. And in some instances, they challenge us, and so we keep a sealed bottle in case we get into a dispute. The question that's being asked here is, why is it just a polite dispute? This is criminal. If a taxi driver's had three of his vehicles decommissioned because he bought dodgy diesel from somewhere, that's a, an income uh, completely, completely cancelled out. This should be more than just a slap on the wrist. There needs yeah. to be some kind of criminal action and prosecution and heavy fines levelled here, if not jail time. Yeah. No, that's that's correct. Right? We operate within the confines of the the laws that that, that govern this industry, petroleum industry, petroleum product act, and so forth. And we have a process that we follow leading up to that conviction of twelve months in jail or one million rand. Mm. Uh, we have never really gone to that far of you know convicting somebody or taking somebody to court and somebody being charged because of maybe uh, uh, maybe you can say loopholes or gaps in our regulation, if you like. But what I can tell you now is that uh, the minister has issued notices to cancel some licenses on other offenses, not necessarily on the mixing of, uh, of petrol with diesel, because this is something that is really trying to rear its ugly head now. Mm. But we had uh, an independent wholesaler who was uh, double handling. He's a wholesaler, but he's also selling directly to motorists as a retailer, and you are not allowed by law. Mm. And we gave this person a uh, Compliance notices, notices, ignored two compliance notices. Minister then issued a notice to revoke the license. We challenged, we went to court with this guy, and the matter uh, is still uh, at court now, mm. uh, waiting the court to finalize it before we can then right. uh, revoke the license. Very... So it's, it's a process, Lerato. We are also looking at our current regulation where we can make right. amendments in the okay. future where we can even be empowered to issue spot okay. fines. Uh, at the moment, we are not. We, do, we, can, we cannot do that uh, in line okay. with our regulation. I've, I've got a quick question for you, Ndatemake. We've run out of time. Because ESCOM is also using diesel for its open cycle turbines, are they also uh, finding themselves uh, having a problem? 
We haven't received any any uh, any complaints from ESCOM in as far as their suppliers are, are concerned. Okay. No, we haven't received anything. All right. And Ndate Sibia, as we say goodbye to you, I think, you know, whilst this is quite specific to the industry and how the industry is run, regulated, managed and monitored, the issue is there are uh, commuters and uh, vehicle owners who are sitting here saying, how do I know that I've gone to one of the 70 uh, filling stations that have dodgy contaminated diesel. How do I know today when I put uh, diesel in my car whether I'm doing the right thing? So what's being done to educate the consumer and to protect them? Well, I think um, issues like this, like these forums uh, at the areas that we use as the fuel retailers association, you know, as much as we represent the interests of the retailers, uh, we do go out a lot on media on these issues, just making uh, people aware that there is actually illegal trading. So wherever you're feeling, you must actually make sure that uh, you, you are feeling in the, in, 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 the, in the right place. How do you but, know? That's my question. Well, you never know. As I said, like I made the example that when the, the, the product comes from the horse into your car, you, you're not going to know. When the product comes from the truck into into the tank uh, that I know it's diesel, but I do not know okay. that that diesel is substandard. Right. So the only way to deal with this is to cap this activity by actually start even with the 70 service stations. Yeah. Let's go back to them. Let's get the documentation. Let's trace, yeah. you know, the, the, okay. the offenders and let's do something and name and shame. And I promise you, this thing will go away. It's I a think, very simple thing. To yeah, do. I think, uh, unfortunately, Tatemake, we can't. We've really run out of time. Uh, unless okay. you want us to just get your final comment after the news. But I just I'm think... I'm saying to you and the consumers that if the price of diesel is too good to be true, be suspicious. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. I still think name and shame, we need to know who they are. Uh, Somebody today is going to be filling up their car and they don't know if that's a contaminated um, uh, sample of diesel. So um, we need more help than that. But thank you to Reggie Sabia. Thank you to Robert Marke. If the price is too good to be true, drive away. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.